welcome to the show. Today we're going to be talking about Jojo Rabbit, which is a movie my dad and I independently watched from one another. Unfortunately, we're in another quarantine, so we had to reserve our thoughts from each other until the rest of the podcast. As you can hear, uh, apparently this is our first time recording over Zoom, and I forgot to mute some of my notifications, so I'll go ahead and do that. But in the meantime, we're going to be talking about uh, the film's criticism, uh, what we thought of the movie, and we're going to be giving our rating at the very end. We'll make sure to not give any spoilers until about halfway through of our podcast so that you don't have to have the movie spoiled for you if you end up wanting to watch it. So uh, it was directed by Taika Waititi, who's grown to a lot of prominence since about 2014. He's known for What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilder People, he directed Thor Ragnarok, and more recently, Jojo Rabbit in 2019. This film was nominated for a, a number of awards, and he's also working on Thor, Love and Thunder, and Next Goal Wins. So Taika Waititi is also known as a huge, uh, prolific commercial director, and he's directed a Super Bowl commercial, among others. So he's pretty well known, and his work is generally very well received. Now, I've only seen Thor Ragnarok in terms of his work, but I thought Jojo Rabbit was um, a very interesting movie, especially coming from somebody who's tackled a range of subjects. So uh, I'm going to get into it, but I'm going to let my dad uh, speak his piece on the introduction before I go in. Sure. Okay, well, first of all, it's important for us to say, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Jojo Rabbit, the film, um, it was, a, a, I'm going to call it a small film, though it did make about $93 million worldwide. Um, Jojo is a lonely German boy who discovers that his single mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic. Aided only by his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind nationalism as World War II continues to rage on. I don't think there were any spoilers there. That's just simply a synopsis of the film. But as you can imagine, if you had heard that, or I think I'm guessing that if many people had heard sort of the theme uh, of the film, you, you might have uh, wondered um, what the tone of this film was like. And as Noah said earlier, we have not discussed this until this podcast. And that's been deliberate because I wanted for us to watch a film that was sort of not mainstream and one that um, would require some thought and reflection on our part before we actually shared our opinion of it, not just with you, our listener, but with one another. So with that, I'll turn it back to Noah. All right. So this is the non-spoiler section first, and I want to be able to talk about the general strengths and weaknesses of the movie. For one, the plot is very original. It's very interesting. And I will say that uh, the idea to turn the director, Taika uh, Watiti, into uh, the role of Hitler was actually a very interesting choice. And I felt that the dynamic, especially, uh, I hadn't read the plot synopsis for this movie, but I had heard generally that it was a sort of lampooning of the Nazis and the sort of end of World War II. Uh, but it was kind of shocking, the, uh, the beginning of the movie, uh, in a good way, though. It kind of, nobody wants to talk about certain things like that. And whenever you uh, do bring the subject matter up, people, rightfully so, get very uncomfortable. But I felt like this movie's biggest strength was taking a big lesson, especially um, the message of hate and discrimination based on the factor of what you hear and what's fed to you, and um, sort of turning that on its head, learning different lessons uh, throughout life and being able to understand that people are different, and just because they're different doesn't mean that they're bad people. 
Now, I thought this movie was uh, not laugh out loud funny. It is actually a comedy, and you probably wouldn't think that from our general description of it. But uh, it was it, it was pretty amusing at certain points. I found myself breathing through my nose a little bit harder than usual at some moments uh, here and there. But uh, the 10-year-old boy uh, is really the star of this movie. Now, it also stars Scarlett Johansson. And normally, she is the centerpiece of almost any film that she's in. But while she doesn't play a bit role, she's an amazing supporting actress, and she plays the mother to this boy. And as my dad mentioned previously, she has some not so fond, uh, not so fond thoughts and perspectives on the war in general. So the boy is a fanatic of Nazi- Nazism, and he's uh, going to camp uh, originally, and then something happens uh, to where he is forced into a different role. And eventually, uh, he finds himself in a situation that is probably, uh, probably the worst thing that could happen to him uh, with his beliefs. But I will say that the movie moved along quite quickly, uh, wouldn't you say? I would. Um, <clears throat> for anyone who knows me, you know that I like movies that are relatively short. And if a movie is under two hours, I'm happy. If a movie is 90 minutes, I'm happiest. Uh, this is an hour and 48 minutes. And I felt like the movie f- moved along uh, nicely, just as you did, Noah. Definitely. It was, uh, there was a lot of t- uh, parts where it was uh, sweet and sentimental and oftentimes very sad uh, with just the general goings on of everything. But it did retain a silliness that I didn't think was achievable in this type of film. And I think that's where some of its strengths lie because it's able to sort of make a spoof out of something very dark and something that should be remembered exactly as it was and sort of give a wider lesson that um, it was not only relevant back then, but can be applied today, especially in equal measure. Uh, I did feel like there were some plot holes in the movie, which we'll uh, talk about a little bit later, but overall, I really enjoyed the film. It was quick. It was breezy. And I felt as if uh there was kind of a star turn with a few actors or a couple other people I liked. Sam Rockwell was also in this movie and I haven't seen him in a while. And um, overall, I felt like it balanced adult characters very well with uh, child actors. And it hit all the right notes in terms of what you want to see in a movie. It doesn't drag on too long. It doesn't go too fast. And it doesn't gloss over certain important points. And overall, I felt like it was something that I could watch again one day and definitely something I'd recommend to others. I have to agree, Noah. I really enjoyed a lot of this film. And I will be the first one to admit that I felt like it was almost inappropriate for me to hear that there was a film, a comedy that included Adolf Hitler. Absolutely. Uh, that for me was off-putting. And really, um, when I'm put off by a subject matter, I will tend not to, to watch it immediately just because I need some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't know anyone who has seen this film or had not spoken with people who had seen this film. Obviously, a lot of people have seen this film. But it, as I said, it wasn't, um, uh, it, it was sort of, I'm not going to call it art housey, but it's certainly a, a niche film uh, in that the topic matter is, is heavy. Uh, and the actual screenplay is light. Um, And that's a combination that I was surprised worked so well. Um, I was able to enjoy this film in spite of the heavy subject matter, the horrific subject matter uh, around it, which is based. Yeah, of course. Um, And it goes to show that this was generally well received, especially in today's day and age, when it got so much attention uh, for the type of film that it was. 
Uh, I would also say that the movie makes good use of being able to uh, balance multiple facets of seriousness with uh, with silliness. Uh, But at the same time, the film overall was something that kind of came out of left field, like you were saying, it couldn't have been a big budget feature. It had to be on a smaller budget and it felt that way. Not like an indie movie, but I definitely noticed similarities to Moonrise Kingdom and the way that it was shot with some slow motion scenes and, you know, occasionally fantastical imagery. Did you notice that? I did. did. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it takes very grim set pieces and very beautiful set pieces and kind of mixes them together. And I think that the set pieces themselves, the settings, really lend themselves to the actual tone of the movie. Wouldn't you yeah, say? which I found very appealing. The, the set pieces were very appealing, which, to your point, sort of added to the tone. Obviously, that's the point of it, right? It all has to go together. That's good direction. And when the set pieces sort of resemble the tone of the film, and there's little contradiction between what's going on and how you're feeling, I think you ultimately get a very satisfying experience. I'll say one thing too. I mean, Sam Rockwell was quite good, yes. but you know, Rebel Wilson, you know, she can be a polarizing uh, actor, frankly. I liked her in Pitch Perfect. Uh, well, I liked her in this because I didn't think she was used uh, overly so. Um, I thought she was, there were there were actually some scenes, um, she's a comedian, right? So um, naturally there were some things that she said and did that I did find especially amusing, but I didn't find it in an off-putting or over the top sort of way. It mm-hmm. just sort of fit uh, tonally with the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt like they were wise to use her sparingly so that she was just enough to add to the film without taking anything away from it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's interesting because uh, certain characters say things that are so blatantly incorrect or wrong, but you know that, and it's making a point of making them sound ignorant when they say it. So when they say it, it sounds crazy. It sounds, you know, it's so ridiculous that you kind of just have to snort at it, you know? Uh, There's a lot of dialogue in the film where it's a little bit excessive at some points, and I think it's supposed to be, because Mm -hmm. in this movie you clearly have one perspective watching it. Of course, you're on the side of, you know, justice. You're, uh, of course, you're watching it for the virtue of being able to learn something or want to see an interesting movie that tackles difficult subject matter. But um, I felt like there was enough there to be shocking to where it wasn't too safe, which I actually appreciated because sometimes those ugly things have to rear their head in order for people to acknowledge them and be able to discuss them, which is what we're doing right now and what we'll especially do in the next couple minutes. But um, it, Let's talk about, let, can we talk about some of the other performances real quick before we get yeah, into the storyline? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, who do you want to talk about? I did like Rebel Wilson. I, I will say that she pops up every uh, once in a while, and I forgot that she was in this movie because I had read the cast list, but I generally enjoyed her character and the way she played herself. I thought that she was probably the best example of a supporting actress or actor that you could have for a movie. Yeah. I, I left this film viewing convinced that Roman Griffin Davis, who plays Jojo, really is the single best child actor I've ever seen on screen. I could not believe this kid was in this role uh, and so effectively so. Um, So for me, you know, child actors, there's some really gifted ones. There are some not really gifted ones. I think we're going to see Roman Griffin Davis a lot in the future. It might take a few years, as it often does for child actors to really sort of find themselves. Uh, but I think as, a, as the lead, 
um, in this film. He was really extraordinary. And I've never seen him before, so I, this might have been his first film. But wow, you know, in to cast someone in the role who was ineffective as the lead would have made for a completely different movie. So um, I, I thought he was extraordinary. I thought Scarlett Johansson was very good. I mean, I think Scarlett Johansson is very good in a lot of things. Um, she was actually nominated for Best uh, Supporting Actress. And um, uh, I thought she was strong, but frankly, what I also found interesting, and I don't know if you noticed this, Noah, the physical resemblance between her and Jojo, the actor, Roman Griffin Davis, was startling for me. Um, I'd say that was definitely intentional. I'm not sure if um, I, I, if both of their uh, hair color is naturally blonde, uh, but I, I will say their faces, even um, post uh, the first sequence, looked very similar. I, yeah, I did notice it, that. It, it, was, it was effective, and I really thought, okay, that that, you know, that level of detail, which is frankly hard to find when you're, you know, assembling a group of highly talented performers, um, really made, a, you know, it was an additional thing I liked so much about the film. Yeah, and it could be interesting if we see, like you were saying, maybe the rise of a greater talent and the child actor. You said Roman Griffin Davis is his name? Yes. Yes, because, uh, of course, we had Christian Bale in Empire of the Sun in the 80s. Right. And, you know, I think uh, Haley Joel Osment in uh, The Sixth Sense, is that correct? And he went on to do a few more things. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, of course, we can have people like Jake Lloyd in Star Wars, who eventually kind of, they're in maybe two movies that I remember, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, of course, The Phantom Menace, and then, you know, sort of lead a troubled life after this. I'm wishing the best for this kid because it's one thing to be able to be in a movie at that age. And I was just thinking as he was delivering those lines, I was like, I remember when I was 10 and I, you know, I could barely remember certain passages of things, or if I had to memorize something, imagine having to go through all those lines, working with professional actors and actresses and the timing of your lines, you know, how many takes is, how many takes do you have to shoot? How many times do you have to go over that in your head? How much work did he put into it? Was it more natural for him or was it more forced for him? Either way, he was very convincing. So I agree with that sentiment. Um, no, no. I but, say, sorry, I, I will say too that um, for me, <clears throat> the as strong as the acting was in this film, the character, maybe not the actor uh, himself, but the character who stole the film was Yorkie, his, his, best, his second best friend. Yes, yes. We all know who his, Jojo's first best friend is Adolf Hitler, his yes. imaginary best friend. But Archie Yates plays Yorkie, and uh, he, he is relegated to the second best friend category, and, uh, but just keeps popping up throughout the course of the film and in, in just adding a real level of um, sentiment to it that I really enjoyed. Yes, and I agree. So uh, to those listening right now, uh, or if you're still listening, uh, this is going to be the end of our non-spoiler section because right now I think we have a lot to talk about in terms of the finer details. But overall, I can say watch this movie. It's worth watching at least. If you have any general interest uh, in the subject matter or just watching an Oscar-nominated film or even just want to check out something for some quick, light, easy viewing, go ahead and give this one a spin because uh, it's, it's pretty special. I will say it's pretty special. I would agree. It's a special film. Um, it's not perfect. I don't, I'm not sure there is a perfect film, 
but it's a very, very good film. Well done on a subject matter that is that is very challenging. All right, moving into spoiler territory. Do not listen past this part if you do not want to hear spoilers. If you plan on seeing the movie and do not want it spoiled for you, do not listen to this part. And you really should see the movie. We want you to keep listening, but we also want you to see the movie. So make your choice right here. Come back and listen to the rest of this podcast so that we can tell you how to think. All right, three, two, one, spoiler time. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about some of the biggest weaknesses of this movie. Of course you will. Yes. And uh, for that, I would say there was a lot of convenient parts and uh, a decent amount of plot holes. For one, um, okay, so uh, Jojo, the little boy, he had a sister, uh, which was kind of unclear in the beginning, but he used to have a sister. His father is gone, apparently fighting in the Nazi war effort. And um, was he? No, he wasn't at he wasn't at the end. Um, We'll uh, talk about that after. But he had a sister and she died, but it was never revealed how she died or to what extent. And I don't believe the mother ever talked about it. And Jojo never really alluded to it too much unless the plot kind of demanded him to. Um, At one point, um, the sister's name was Inge, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, the Jewish girl uh, hiding uh, in their house. Elsa. Yeah, actually had a really striking resemblance. It might have been the same person that they took pictures of uh, in terms of, um, you know, when you could see his sister and stuff like that. But I remember at one point, um, he, she was afraid that she had been discovered. And he said, you know, you can pretend to be my sister. And uh, she says, but everybody's going to find out. And he says, well, nobody really knows my sister died. And then that's really the end of it. I mean, she's only brought up for maybe him being occasionally sad that he doesn't have a sister, but he doesn't acknowledge it as much. And then we don't ever know how she died. So it seems kind of like a convenient move along of the plot there for a little bit. I'd also say this film had a lot of montage sections that kind of move things very quickly along, which isn't always a bad thing. But I I felt, sorry, what'd you say? I can't imagine why that's a bad thing. I, I enjoy movies that move along. I enjoy montages generally, but I feel like uh, there were a lot of them in this film. And I will say that at some points, um, characters are really unclear as if they're good or bad. And it seems like they sort of evolve at the same time. So obviously Jojo is, uh, his best friend is Hitler. Whenever he makes a mistake, Hitler, who is played by director Taika Waititi, uh, comes up to him and is like, hey, what's the problem? You know. And then Jojo will talk to him and Hitler will give his sentiments and everything. And uh, then he'll disappear. Um, but I felt like, I, I felt like at some, at some point, Jojo started changing his mind. And then other characters around him, like Sam Rockwell's character, started to sort of reveal yeah, himself right. to be a better guy instead of just a drunk who was training kids and mm-hmm. let, you know, a grenade explode on a kid. And then there was... Um, to the film's credit, Rebel Wilson stayed as, you know, a generally terrible person otherwise. But it seemed like, you know, of course, his mom, you know, she played this kind of savior role. I felt mm-hmm. like that was almost it's how did she hide that from him for so long? It seems it seemed like he was a fanatic for, uh, you know, being part of the Hitler youth for so long. Right. And, you know, she's actually pretty blatant about her anti-war efforts for the most part, I would say, if anything, um, and it seems 
strange to me that she would be able to hide uh, a Jewish girl in her attic with a kid like that for so long. But then again, it's a movie suspension of disbelief. You got to be able to have it at some points. Well, I, I will say this too. Um, there was a point at which I wondered if Elsa, the Jewish girl hiding in the attic was real. Um, I know she was because essentially what happens, and I'll, I'll tell our, our listeners this, is that Jojo falls in love with her to the extent a 10-year-old can fall in love. Um, he's just taken with her. And um, because of that, he starts to realize that uh, his nationalistic view that he um, so uh, early in the film clearly um, possesses is perhaps um, misled. Uh, and that uh, this Jewish girl is is really a wonderful person who is in hiding uh, and really sacrificing so much of her life because of um, the regime. So it, it obviously she existed and she's real, but it, it was it is striking that um, she was held in secret for a, a, a I don't know an undefined period of time, but an extended period of time without Jojo knowing. And maybe that's because he was just coming to age. At 10 years old, maybe at six, he would not have recognized that, or at eight. Um, but obviously it's a, it's a plot device to, to, con to frankly um, demonstrate to Jojo that things were not as he believed they were. Exactly, I completely agree. Um, and I'd like to get my last uh, probably major sentiment of criticism out of the way before we move on to the good parts. Uh, but I, I will also say that while the film was, you know, sort of making a caricature of how ignorant and just absolutely terrible the Nazi party was and how ridiculous they could be, I felt like at certain points it kind of glossed over the importance of being able to understand realistic history mm -hmm. or what it was actually like to be a Jew at that time. Because many people uh, in the film, of course, are criticizing Jews, saying outlandish, ridiculous things, saying they lived in caves or, you know, they ate children and babies and horns. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they were throwing all the stereotypes about Jews their way. And of course, it was doing it was done in a joking manner. But I never felt like with uh, Elsa and Jojo's interactions, that she ever really got to sort of change his mind in the way of saying, this is this is what th this is what I am. This is my identity. This is what happened to us for no reason other than somebody decided to hate us. I felt like her being Jewish was kind of just used as only that it didn't really go into her identity or explain the importance of it or what had happened. She had a passing mention of her parents being sent off to a concentration camp. Mm. And that was really the end of it. Yeah. Of course, you could feel her pain through the way um, she reacted to a lot of Jojo's comments and how she was isolated and alone and her um, fiance had died. But at the same time, I felt as if the movie taught good lessons, generally speaking, but in films like this, with just such crazy horrors of, uh, you know, Germany and World War II, I felt as if it didn't emphasize enough, maybe, and I feel like it's sort of a dangerous thing to maybe a casual watcher who, or a younger watcher who doesn't know that much about it, because um, Schindler's List was probably one of the first movies to truly show just the gritty, terrible, absolute horrors that um 
you know, it was like to be a Jew in that sense. I felt like that one was, I I feel like that one was kind of the apex of the uncomfortable watching. Mm -hmm. And while this is supposed to sort of, this completely directs you saying, you know, obviously the Nazis were bad. Obviously they were terrible people, but at the same time, I feel like it doesn't really, uh, I feel like it glosses over the importance of certain Jewish identities and when it comes to um, learning about historical accuracy within the party, it, it seems in getting caught up in all the caricatures uh, that uh, the actors play, it, sometimes I feel like there's a great message that is overarching, but at the same time, there's sort of, there was too many things that might've been a little bit convenient or too many things where it kind of just used things as a plot device rather than explaining the importance of it. You know what I'm saying? I would, yes. And I completely agree. I will say, um, you know, and this is from the film viewers perspective, um, because it does that, the film, uh, frankly, is a little more, you know, again, I struggle with uses of use of words like this when we're talking about such a serious subject matter, but the film is a little whimsical. It is. Um, and if it didn't gloss over some of the atrocities and the horrific scenarios that exist uh, in our history, then it would not have had that same tone. So I, I think there's a little bit of a, a dare I say, trade-off between um, the historical fact and tone of the film and its intent to educate, but also entertain. Agreed. And you said it more succinctly than I did, but perhaps that's my issue as a watcher. I should be able to understand that from the genre, and clearly this is historical fiction that means to tell a very specific message. But at the same time, you know, this one was PG-13. It wasn't R. So younger audiences can see this and maybe view uh the times in 1944 as whimsical or maybe in this manner, the way it's portrayed. Obviously, I, I just, some of that, some of that to me feels a little bit, feels a little bit unintentionally dangerous, not on the director's part, but just in terms of not really hammering home just how horrible some of these things were, right? Yeah, now, let me say one more thing too about the film that I, I did not love. Um, <clears throat> I did feel like the um, Hitler part uh, as the imaginary friend mm, was a little overdone as it got deeper into the film. And I think it was simply because um, Taika Waititi just sort of, um, uh, frankly, I think overplayed it. Um, when Jojo is starting to realize that um, his faith and his belief in Hitler is uh, inappropriate, obviously Hitler feels that and turns on him to some extent, but I thought it was a little over the top um, and a little um, a little jarring tonally from what we had seen early on. And again, I realize that's the evolution of that relationship, um, but for me, it didn't work toward the end the way it did at the beginning. I agree. And I think at most times I'm used to one consistent tone of a film rather than a straight up parody or spoof of something. Yeah. And this movie is absolutely bonkers when it comes to juggling that kind of um, topic. So then again, it might be my problem as a viewer to see one thing and feel a certain way and then see something completely different and take it too seriously. But I think that's left up to interpretation. And I agree with your general statement on that. And let's be honest, Noah, you and I are both film critics. Um, 
especially me, I know. I mean, I could watch a film and, and really pick it to pieces. Um, and and I, frankly, I, sometimes I wish I wasn't quite the critic uh, because I'm not skilled or I'm not schooled in film criticism, but I know what I like. Um, and at this stage of my life, I want to enjoy what I'm watching. And I did enjoy this very much. Oh yeah. And I honestly think the term critic is really arbitrary. It's, it's something where nobody is a better critic than another person necessarily speaking. Yeah, I think that's true. Because opinions are completely subjective. I yeah. mean, I do think though, some people enter into a film without, um, the desire to sort of see the holes in it or, or, you know, identify things they, they didn't like or the inconsistencies in the tone. For me, I, I go into a film thinking, I hope I'm going to enjoy this, but if I'm not, I'm sure going to tell you why. Exactly. And it sometimes reminds me of the term, you know, never trust a skinny cook or uh, I remember in Ratatouille where mm -hmm. uh, Linguini asked the food critic, he's like, you know, for a critic, you're pretty skinny. Or if you love food so much, why don't you eat that much of it? Or why do you seem to hate it so much? So uh, overall, I, I think it's best to be able to allow yourself, allow yourself to be amazed and discover things in movies without going in with a veil of negativity. Uh -huh. And then I think you'll be a lot more surprised because with this, I didn't want to do too much research. And I feel like you generally do a good job of that too. You've seen a lot more movies. So you do have more than your fair share of uh, ideas about what's good and what's not uh, as things have changed over time now. Remember, I have 29 years on you. So I've, I've had 29 more years to watch movies. Yeah, that's and certainly true. Ratatouille, that's quite a film. We should talk about that sometime. Pixar, yeah. ultimate best. I agree. All right. So we've talked about uh, a lot of negative aspects of the film, but I want to say in the end, those are just things that you can put on the side because uh, those are... I'd say the first few are a little bit of nitpicks, but the majority of this film is truly wonderful and very, very good. Um, aside of our gripes, uh, mainly from it, that knock off, uh, you know, uh, some points for me, I would say that this film does an amazing job at the small details. I'd say the dialogue is very good and inspiring as well. And it really speaks to the whimsical aspect you were talking about. So at one point, Scarlett uh, Johansson is talking to... Um, Jojo and he's uh she's saying you know my little cub my little lion and in the background there's a little bit of lens flare or lens blurring and you can see a stuffed lion there and I like how she's saying how things kind of come back you know the uh Elaine uh, what was her name I'm sorry uh the girl hiding in the Elsa 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 was uh asking Scarlett Johansson how do you trust somebody and she says you just do or you just trust them. And then Jojo near the end of the film was saying, you know, do you trust me? And I thought it was, I thought those things coming back full circle were pretty amazing. Or how Scarlett Johansson was saying when they saw the uh, hanging, the hanging people mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, they said, uh, and Jojo asked, well, what did they do? And then she said what they could. And I remember that came back again, where, um, I believe uh, they were saying, they were talking about his mother, or she's saying, what do we do? And uh, he says, what we can. And she says, what's it like outside? And he says, extremely dangerous, just mm -hmm. like in the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. But everything has changed. So I feel like there's a lot of character development and really meaningful progression. And I feel like each side character is treated as somebody in equal measure. I feel like you get just enough of them. They're not too prominently featured. 
and they're not just thrown away for the rest of the movie. I was really worried that Yorkie would be thrown away after a certain point, but he wasn't. And I felt that the friendship dynamic between two 10-year-olds with the same ideologies who slowly change over time, it's an amazing thing what you can believe when you're so young and impressionable. And I think this is also a good message uh, about young men and uh, how we group ourselves and tribalize ourselves with certain groups and start to form certain beliefs because, you know, we want to be a part of something. And I feel like that's exactly what Jojo was doing. It was fanaticism at best. He didn't, I think uh, Elsa said it best. She said, you're not truly a Nazi, you know? And he was like, of course I am. He was, and then she's like, you're not. It's just what you've been told. You don't believe that. He just believes it because that for the virtue of what others are telling him. So in general, I feel like this movie had an incredibly strong message about not judging people based on what you hear about them or what you perceive of them, but rather once you get to know them or give yourself the chance to be able to get to know somebody that you don't know with a different life experience, somebody that you might not be comfortable with. And then you can realize what kind of person they are rather than blind hate. And I think that's the most important part of this movie because it's just as applicable as it was in 1944 as it is in 2021. I don't know that I could have said it any better, Noah. I completely agree. There is an innocence about this film yes. that frankly it should not have given the topic, um, but because it is so effectively done um, and the characters to your point are never overused or frankly undervalued. I think we get just enough of all of them. They're effective in what they're communicating um, and uh, in them we see their humanity. Yes. Uh, and I think that that's what's critical about this against the backdrop presented to us. So overall, I, I completely agree. I, I think you, you summarized it extraordinarily well. What was your feeling before the movie and what was your feeling after the movie? So again, I went in thinking, how can this be a comedy? I don't want to watch a film about Hitler. Um, is this appropriate? And right. I came out thinking, uh, wow, what I like so much about it is exactly what you just, just described. Um, this is the story of nationalism, uh, blind nationalism told through the eyes of a, of a 10 year old um, who comes to understand um, that life around him is very different than what he expected or what he thought his goals for his future would be. And he learns that from the people that he encounters along the way. I mean, obviously his mother is a, is a wonderful role model um, without her commitment to the Jewish people and uh, harboring Elsa, um, maybe this, this realization would not have occurred. Um, but I think, you know, even the Sam Rockwell character um, just really demonstrated uh, on, certainly as the movie went on, compassion. Um, oh, and the suit that he made? I loved that at the end. The love, the suit, and yeah. And then, you know, the ultimate spoiler is when, you know, they, he basically saves um, Jojo uh, and, and he's, you know, he's taken. And, uh, you know, it, there's just so much positivity that comes out of this film um, that you really think this is the kind of film that we need to see. Mm -hmm. um, and if we can, um, you know, if this podcast encourages one or two or five or 10 or hundreds of people, because there are so many listening <laughs> to see this film, then I think um, there's value in that. Yeah, I, I, I 
I am definitely in accordance with you on that one. It's just, there's so much to be gleaned from this film and there's so much to be, I mean, because it's all things that we know in the back of our mind, what we should do versus our biases versus our stereotypes. And uh, in, in general, if you can see the character arc of a 10 year old, which could also represent a 20 year old or a 30 year old or any of us, you know, changing their mindset and perspective based off of a small experience that they had with somebody they didn't know, then I think that we can all do that. And I thought it was a beautiful way to sort of close out each character's arc. And I thought it was also a good social commentary on um, just uh, young people, how they were using, uh, I mean, at some point it was like, there was, there was a lot in the film that alluded to horrific things, like where they were sending the child soldiers out and Rebel Wilson was like, go hug that American with the kid who had a grenade uh, mm-hmm. strapped to his back. And um, I, I thought it was very interesting how they made something, they suggested such a grisly thing sometimes, but it also was able to be sweet and sentimental and heartfelt mm-hmm. and saddening. But- I didn't think Jojo was alone a whole lot in the film. I thought, mm, you know, and, and that a sign of the times, right? I mean... We, we learned that his, his mother was, was not supportive of the war. Uh, and, um, but I did think uh, multiple times throughout the film, this is a 10-year-old who's by himself. But ultimately, maybe, maybe, now that I say this, it was okay because, frankly, his mother knew that he was really not alone in the house. Yeah, I completely agree. But at the same time, remember you know, it was a single parent household. And this was before the days of, uh, I think there was a great scare of child snatching, maybe in the what 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, this was a time where free play for children or young adults, uh, you know, teenagers was very, uh, very common, you know, it's where kids would go to work uh, all day and then come back. And especially if it was just the mother raising him, and she had her own efforts, especially secretive, then um, I think it made sense enough. And I felt like it it was called Jojo Rabbit. So of course it's centered on him. And I thought it was important to be able to show what he was like alone, what he thought of, his interactions with his imaginary friend. And then when he was with Elsa, what he was thinking. So in that way, I agree. There was definitely a lot more singularity to the character in certain scenes, but I never felt as if uh, he was truly ever just by himself all the time because he at least had the women in his life or the mentors and Sam Rockwell. Um, So it was very interesting. And did you notice that small detail uh, too, where at the end, uh, you know how Rebel Wilson went in with that huge Gatling gun and started firing and then you saw the explosion. Yes. Did you see in that frame where the battle was over and you saw the rubble and the dust settling and it showed two or three frames of, you know, dead soldiers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Rebel Wilson was, uh, only her face was uh, visible in a pile of rubble at the one part, and she had uh, blood on her face. So I thought that was interesting that even for a second, it showed what happened to that character, regardless. And I felt like the film took great care to be able to tell a fully formed story and make the characters not just, I guess, not just stereotypical, I'm this token guy, I'm this token guy, I'm this and that, right? Yeah, I, you know, Noah, one thing before we close, I have to say, we have not told the viewers exactly why it's Jojo Rabbit. And so I'll, I'll share that at this point, that um, Jojo, when he's in this, this camp, 
um, you know, he's so zealous and they want to test him. So they bring a, a, a bunny rabbit and they want him to snap its neck. And because Jojo is a compassionate 10 year old child, he just can't do it. Um, so he runs away um, and everybody starts mocking him and calling him Jojo Rabbit. Unfortunately, we off screen, we see that um, they do break the, the rabbit's neck. Um, and, and that just sort of um, was a powerful experience. But the, 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 all the kids in this camp keep, they tease him basically and call him Jojo Rabbit from that point forward. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that um, he took a facet of him that was considered weak by people he trusted and wanted to love him, but eventually realized that the people that he trusted and wanted to be a part of were the enemy in this case. And what was, what was a term of negativity for them directed at him became a term of endearment for himself. I liked how that played out and it became sort of his moniker. So uh, overall, I thought it was a very good movie. Uh, I haven't watched a movie in a while. I think the last one I watched was probably Tenet uh, in July or so. But um, yeah, now... This is, ten. We got, this is our movie ranking here. So scale of one to 10, Noah. Yeah, um, I would have to give this one a solid eight. Uh, this movie was perfectly watchable. Um, I would recommend it to anyone. And I think it's important viewing, especially uh, with all the buzz it got. It's worth it. This one is worth it. I have to give it an eight as well. I, this is really funny because again, we have not discussed it up until this point. And, um, and uh, I tried really not to give away it. Truth be told, full disclosure, I watched another film after this one. I won't name it here, um, but I did not love it anywhere near as well as I love this. Um, and uh, so I tried not to even share my, my feelings one way or the other, but I would give it an eight. I think the uh, topic is critically important, the delivery of it, the execution, the tone, um, uh, just overall, the, obviously the acting, the direction, it, it's a really um, worthwhile movie to see, and I really hope more people will see it. And I'm sure they will now because of our podcast. <laughs> of course. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we have complicated circumstances right now with this whole Zoom thing, but I think we did well enough and hopefully the audio is fine. But uh, thank you so much again once for listening. Uh, I'm Noah. And I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk.